Uh, thank you so much to uh, those who helped decorate. Although I have one comment. Uh, baby Jesus is staring at my back. <laughs> Not that that makes me nervous or anything, but it makes me nervous to have baby Jesus staring at my back. Welcome to the season of Advent. Uh, we celebrate this season together as a church every year in an effort to draw us deeper into the world-changing arrival of Jesus here on earth. Instead of just giving one Sunday, uh, the Sunday closest to Christmas, to this story, as we always did previously, um, we instead spend a whole month reflecting on all that the coming of Jesus Christ means to this world. To give you some you know, perspective on this a little bit, how many of you already have up your Christmas tree? That's a, that's a lot of you. Um, did you know that Christmas is still 20 plus days away? Yeah? Well, why did you put up your tree? To see the lights, to enjoy it while you can. Advent, people, that's what this is. We are making sure that we get to celebrate the coming of Jesus as thoroughly as possible. And Advent helps us to look at the big picture. It reminds us that this season is about celebrating the coming of the Son of God, uh, Jesus as our Savior and Redeemer. And it also reminds us, in a really powerful way, I think, of what Jesus brought to the world. You know, sometimes the narrative around faith, around Christianity, around Jesus, is not always a positive one. And there, you could talk to people outside of these walls, certainly, and they would tell you all the negative things that Jesus has brought to the world. But the, the season of Advent says that the coming of Jesus was not a bad thing. It was, in fact, the best of things. And that what Jesus brought with him were gifts, gifts that we can only have through him. Now, Advent always starts in the same place. And this morning, uh, we lit the candle of hope, and we are reflecting today on the great hope that Jesus brings to a world that is hurting and lost. But it's kind of weird because we look back to that event, but we also look forward. We look forward to the return of Jesus and everything that is going on uh, in his life, how that leads to uh, his death, his resurrection, and that ultimately one day Jesus will come back for us. Amen? Can't wait for that. That's going to be a good thing. So today, we start the season of Advent by reflecting on the end of the story. Uh, is it kind of weird to talk about the end when we're talking about the beginning? A little bit, a little touch there. Uh, but we're weird people, so it fits right in with us. And we know that the birth of Jesus is really only part of a big story that God has been telling. And it didn't just start with Jesus either. God has been telling this story, this story of of love, of redemption, of restoration throughout the history of humanity. And we know that we cannot speak about Jesus without acknowledging the future that God makes possible for the people that he loves so dearly. We put gifts around a tree, and those gifts are expressions of love and care for those who are around us. So it is appropriate for us to acknowledge this morning that God has given us gifts through this season as well. And to name those gifts and to say how they have changed our lives. 
So today, we're going to talk about hope. What is hope? Uh, well, since I'm a thoroughly modern man, um, I asked ChatGPT what hope is. Hope is a major part of the human experience. It is intertwined into all elements of our lives and ways we are aware of and ways we are not. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Uh, every day we hope for things that are, that range, let's say, in just importance. Uh, we hope for things that are small, such as, I hope it doesn't rain today. Too late for that one. Uh, I hope traffic isn't bad. I hope the 49ers win today, right? Those are all things that we hope for uh, on a pretty regular basis. And then we hope for things that are much bigger. I hope I get this job. Uh, I hope that my house sells. Um, I kind of don't, but that's another story altogether. <laughs> I hope my mom gets out of the hospital. I hope my child has a future. You know, all the really light, easygoing kinds of things that we also hope for on an everyday basis. But what all this tells us is that, in essence, hope is an integral part of the human experience. It is a part of who we are. And <clears throat> it offers us an emotional and psychological foundation for resilience, growth, and the pursuit of a better future. That was per ChatGPT. So even artificial intelligence knows that hope is an important part of who we are. And, and hope enables us in any scenario, let's just boil it down to the, like the, bare th the barest bones here, uh, hope enables us in any scenario to believe that there is good ahead. That whatever is going on, however wrong it might be or however benign it might be, that there is something ahead of us that is better than what we have right now. So uh, maybe an easy way to say it is that hope is a belief in the possibility of whatever that thing may be. Hope allows us, even the worst of times, to believe that things can get better. And, and so therefore, hope is the reason a lot of times that we don't just give up and hide. I mean, we do still go up and hide sometimes, but we always come out right? Because we believe that there is a reason to keep moving forward, that things will change and that things will get better. Therefore, if someone is a person that is filled with hope, uh, hope can change their life. It can, it can direct the paths that they take. It can, it can change how they live with people around them. And, and when people experience hope, they often feel a sense of purpose and determination. Even though this is bad, I'm going to move forward because I know that whatever it may be. There's this sense that we can overcome obstacles, that we can navigate difficult situations. And even at its most bare bones, this bad stuff can't last forever, right? We just hope for the end of it. Therefore, hope is a really good thing. It's a really, really good thing. Uh, one of my favorite movies is The Shawshank Redemption, which is a really lighthearted film. Uh, about life in prison, and uh, there are two main characters in this movie, and they both talk about hope throughout the movie, and this is what one character, uh, Andy, says. He says, hope is a good thing 
may be the best of things and no good thing ever dies. It's true. Hope is that element in our lives. But we also need to recognize just for a moment that hope can also fail. That there are many times in our lives that we hope for something, some sort of outcome, some sort of, you know, whatever, and we don't receive or get what we had hoped for. And that's kind of a disappointing experience, isn't it? When that happens. Uh, and, and what does it look like when hope is disappointed? Well, it doesn't always look like this, does it? Um, and and when, when our hope is, is, is let down, we have uh, disappointment at, at, at the least. Sometimes that moves into disillusionment and other sorts of things. You know, if this good thing that I wanted didn't happen, then what does that mean for the world? And how often in people's lives have something that they hoped for, that that thing didn't materialize, and the first person they got mad at was God. Why didn't God do this for me? Why didn't God give me this thing? So Red, who is on uh, your right here, has a different view of hope. And here's what Red says about hope. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. Those two definitions are pretty far apart, aren't they? And on one hand, you have someone who says, we are here in this prison, but there is life outside of these walls. And, uh, and then on the other hand, you have someone who says, we are here in this prison, and this is all there is. Let's get down to why this matters for our discussion today. It tells us that there are different kinds of hope and different views of what hope actually is. Let me give you some examples to illustrate the differences. So let's go back to uh, the examples I gave earlier. Uh, I hope that traffic isn't bad today. It's a common one, right? When if you have to drive somewhere, we don't want to sit in traffic. Um, is there a lot of gravity to that particular hope. Not really. It's going to get you to where you're going faster, and that's really what you want. Uh, do you have any control over the outcome? No. I mean, you barely have control over yourself in traffic, all right? You can't control the outcome. Um, is there any assurance that hoping that there won't be traffic will ensure that there won't be traffic. No, there's no assurance of that. So in this case, when we hope that there won't be traffic, we are hoping for the best, knowing that the worst is just as possible. Now, what is different between that kind of hope and the hope that the sun will rise tomorrow? Are they the same thing? No, and, the, and they're not the same thing on several different levels. Number one, what happens if the sun doesn't rise tomorrow? Yeah, we're in big, big trouble. Big, big trouble. All the blankets and coats and things you have in your house will not be enough to uh, make up for the absence of the sun. Uh, is there a possibility 
that the sun won't rise tomorrow? Sure. How big of a possibility? Pretty small. Pretty small, but let's not be arrogant here, okay? Uh, There is a possibility that it might not rise. Do we have any control over the outcome? No. But what do we also know when we think about the sun rising tomorrow? We have hope it's going to rise, but isn't that hope different than the hope that there won't be traffic? Right? This hope that there won't be traffic is kind of like, maybe it will, maybe it won't, who knows, I'm hoping for the best. This hope that the sun will rise is still a hope because we acknowledge, well, maybe, you know, there's a possibility it won't happen. But our hope is, is a different animal over here, right? Because what have we experienced every single day of our lives? The sun came up. Very few of us, I think, get up before dawn and walk outside to make sure that the sun comes up on this day. One hope is based on the possibility of something that could happen, and the other hope is based on the history of what has happened and the knowledge of what is most likely to happen. Let's expand this example and talk about how the things we hope for in our everyday lives is different from the hope that we have in Jesus. Because the hope that we have in this place, whether it's big or small, is fundamentally different than the hope that we claim in Jesus Christ. Are they similar? Yes. I mean, it is the same word, right? But don't we, you know, love green beans and love our children? You know, isn't that, it's the same word, right? But does it have the same meaning? And you can put anything in there besides green beans. I was just giving an example there. Uh, You don't have to love green beans. So the things that we hope for in our everyday lives, are they assured? No, absolutely not. Do we have any control over whether our hope is going to be realized? Perhaps in some cases we do. There are things that we can do to move forward. Uh, But in most cases, no. Traffic is bad. Jobs go away. People get sick. You get the picture. Life is finite, isn't it? And while we may try to live the best life we can and hope for an even better life, we know that to a degree, life here is limited. There are points that we reach that our lives can't go past those particular things. So this hope, this earthly hope, looks for the possibility of what could happen. And that could happen can be anything, right? I could walk out to my car after church and find a bag of gold in my car. Is that outside the realm of possibility? (laughs) No, I I suppose it's not. But am I going to go search my car for that gold when this is over? No, I'm not going to do that. So hope is a good thing. It keeps us going. It, 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 it reminds us that there are really good things in life and that even the bad moments are not going to last forever. Hope here is a really good thing. But there is risk to it. 
So maybe like Andy, you say hope is the best of things. But maybe your experience has told you what Red said, that hope is the most dangerous of things. And I dare not hope for the possibility that my hope will fail. One of my favorite songs uh, that kind of speaks to this, and I was going to play these songs for you this morning, but because of licensing agreements, I am not doing that. Because if I play them, then our video will be taken down and no one can watch uh, our service this week. So I'm just going to read you some of the lyrics here. Uh, And I've read these to you before, but just pretend like you're hearing it for the first time. Uh, One of my favorite songs is one that speaks to the hope that we have here in this life. And the the song is called uh, Waiting for My Real Life to Begin. And it's by an artist named Colin Hay, and uh, who was the lead singer for Minute Work? Jason? There you go. I saw them on YouTube the other day. It's pretty good. <clears throat> Any minute now, my ship is coming in. I'll keep checking the horizon. I'll stand on the bow and feel the waves come crashing, come crashing down, down on me. And you say, Be still, my love, open up your heart, let the light shine in, but don't you understand? I already have a plan. I'm waiting for my real life to begin. When I awoke today, suddenly nothing happened, but in my dreams, I slew the dragon and down this beaten path, up this cobbled lane, I'm walking in my old footsteps once again. And you say, just be here now, forget about the past. Your mask is wearing thin, but just let me throw one more dice. I know that I can win because I'm waiting for my real life to begin. It's a depressing song. (laughs) I like depressing songs, though, so, you know, just humor me on this. But the song uh, speaks to the limitation of life here and how sometimes the hope that we have is a false hope. That sometimes uh, we may hope for things that will never happen. And even worse, sometimes we cling to that hope. And we don't live the life that we actually have. So, in Jesus, our hope is different because it's not a hope that one day something will happen per se. Um... It's a hope that is mixed with expectation. The hope that we have in Jesus is not, I hope this could happen. I hope Jesus could return. I hope uh, that there could be a time where we go to be with God. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It is hope mixed with expectation. Why is it mixed with expectation? Because we have been promised by God himself that the hope we have in Jesus will be realized. That it will not fail us. We don't know when it will happen. We don't know when Jesus will return. We don't know when we'll go home to be with God, but we know it will happen. And so we look forward with hope and expectation, waiting for Jesus to return. And this expectation, this This knowledge is based on several things. We have seen God be faithful to his people over and over again, and not just from the Bible. God has been faithful to us over and over 
again. And any one of us could sit here. If I were to give you a microphone, you could tell of all the ways that God has been faithful and good to you. And how God was there even when you were in the worst moments of your life. We have seen him love when the object of his love was unlovable. We have seen God redeem and restore. He has done these things for us, and he does these things for the world. And secondly, we know that God keeps his promises. If he says he's going to do something, he will. And it's God who put this entire plan in motion. It wasn't us. We didn't say this is going to happen. God said this is going to happen, and if God says it will happen, it will. Because we know that the ultimate victory over sin and death has already been won, hasn't it? And we know that no matter what happens, you know, in the lives that we live here, that the true hope, the real hope, will never fail us. Because there are no circumstances, twists, or turns that can undo what God has promised to us. So here's a song that explains that kind of hope. It's a song by Andrew Peterson, uh, who wrote the song we last, we just sang before the sermon here. And the song is called More. And he says, this is not the end here at this grave. This is just a hole that someone made. Every hole was made to fill, and every heart can feel it still, because our nature hates a vacuum. This is not the hardest part of all. This is just the seed that has to fall. All our lives we till the ground until we lay our sorrows down and watch the sky for rain, because there is more, more than all the pain, more than all the falling down and the getting up again. There is more, more than we can see, from our tiny vantage point in this vast eternity, there is more. There is a life beyond this life. There is a home with God. There is a way with Jesus. This is the lifeblood of the hope that we have. And the good news is that when the hope that we have in this world runs out, when it runs out, there is more than that. And the more than that is far greater than what we would pass off for real hope here. So how does this hope we have in Jesus play out in real life? Well, let's look at some words from the prophet Isaiah, which help us to understand. From Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire set twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no one has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? 
All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are your people. You know, the prophets and the Psalms in particular are very interesting uh, books. And, and, and each one kind of tells its own story. And, and you can go back and find out specifically what Isaiah was talking about. And you can find uh, in the Psalms, for example, what was going on in David's life when he wrote some of these words. But they, they all have sort of a common structure to them. Um, was everything going right for the people of God when Isaiah speaks this, spoke this? No, definitely not. Um, there is recognition in this passage of God being here on earth. He's the great God over everything. There's recognition that God has been good to his people, but in return, what had his people done? Yeah, they turned their back on him. They, they turned away from the God who had done all these things. And there's a recognition of how they did it of what they did, and then there's a telling of God's response. And what was God's response to the people turning their backs on him? It, there's an interesting term that's used here. He says that God is hidden. Now, there's something important for us to note about this. Number one, what does that mean? Well, it means God in some way has removed himself from them. But here's the important part. Is God gone? No. He's simply hidden. And what do the people need to do? Two things need to happen. Number one, the people need to seek God. And number two, they need God to come meet them. We're looking for you. Let us find you. Now, that's a request that God doesn't have to fill, does he? I mean, these people betrayed him. Does he have to go back to them? We say no, because from our point of view, we believe that's true. I mean, it's true here, so it wouldn't be true of God gracefully no it's not true of god and so when isaiah calls god to come back to his people what does he know god will do he he knows that if the people seek him they will find him he will not hide himself anymore he will be their god and he will show his face to them again Isaiah knows that God in this case is not just a wronged God. He is a God who loves his people. 
He says in verse 8, Yet you, Lord, are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. It's a declaration of the relationship between God and his people. God, we are yours. You made us. We are what we are because of you. So come back to us. The hope that Isaiah has is built on the firm foundation of who God is. And they can look back and see how God has been faithful and good to his people all along. They can look back at this point and they can see all of the different times where God's people turned on God. And they can see how God took them back again. And so when, God, when Isaiah calls out for God to not be hidden anymore, he is saying, God, be who you have always been. Show yourself to us again. And while that doesn't mean that God will fix everything for his unfaithful people, it does mean that he will not forget or abandon his people no matter what they have done. No matter what they have done. This is the foundation of who God is. That even though when we turn our back, it has consequences sometimes, often, that God does not simply erase our names from the great chalkboard in the sky. So what does he do? What does God do? Well, the simple uh, explanation would be he redeems. Now, in this particular case in the book of Isaiah, redemption took a long time. It was a very long, um, painful process for them to come back around to knowing God again. But for us, the process is very different, isn't it? Because God, in response to this situation between himself and his people, he sent Jesus. And Jesus is the apex of God's redemptive love for his people. He redeems and restores in Jesus in ways that no one could imagine. And he far surpassed whatever our hope would have been before Jesus. Do you, you get what I'm saying there? What God does in Jesus and the hope that he gives us in Jesus is far beyond what we could have ever dreamed to ask him for. Because how could we, as people who are sinners and in our own ways have rejected God, how could we ask God to save us? To to redeem our lives, to make us something different. And remarkably, God did that for us without us ever having to ask him to. He chose to. Why? Because that's who he is. He is our redeemer and our restoration. So we live in hope and expectation based on what God has done and what he says he will do. Now, in the book of Mark, uh, Jesus talks about this dynamic and what's to come with words of warning and assurance. From Mark chapter 13, we're going to read some different sections of it here. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. Now, these words have often been, I think, perceived by Christians and non-Christians alike as a threat. You do not know the time or the hour. Therefore, you better change now, Buster. Because the coming of Jesus is imminent. And there is certainly a tone of warning. Jesus is returning and you need to take this seriously. But on the flip side of this, this is a passage about promise. It is a passage about a hope being fulfilled. The hope that we have in God will not be disappointed Why? Because the sun has risen. It is the sun who is speaking these words, who is telling the people that are going to go through a terrible time with him as he goes to his death, as they experience the unbelievable nature of his resurrection, as they see him leave again, they are going to look back on these words and remember that Jesus is not gone that he will come back. And when he comes back, our lives will change forever as we are reunited with our God. The return of Jesus, friends, is not a bad thing. And we should never talk to it, talk about it like it is. And shame on us if we use Jesus as a threat. The return of Jesus is not a bad thing, it's the best of things. Why? Because there is more. More than all the pain. More than all the falling down and the getting up again. There is more, more than we can see from our tiny vantage point in this vast eternity. There is more. So friends, the hope that we have in Jesus is real. It's substantial. What does the hymn say? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus will return, and when he returns, he will finish the work of restoration that he began so long ago when that baby took his first breath. So this morning, as much as we look back to the birth of Jesus, we look forward to his return, and we say, Lord, come quickly. May this hope permeate our lives as we live with the knowledge that Jesus is coming back.